coming up on this episode of The Social Hour, Visually's Lee Sherman on the next generation of infographics. Proxlet for muting Twitter users that tweet way too much. And who's safe for celebrities? Is it rad or is it fad? All that plus, are we journalists? Who even knows anymore? That's all next on The Social Hour. Netcasts you love. From people you trust. This is Twit. Bandwidth for the Social Hour is brought to you by Cashfly at C A C H E F L Y dot com. This is the Social Hour, Episode 7, with Sarah Lane and Amber MacArthur, recorded Monday, May 9th, 2011. This episode of The Social Hour is brought to you by FreshBooks, the easy online invoicing service that gets you paid quickly and makes you look professional. Get started with a free package at FreshBooks.com. And by Netflix. Watch thousands of TV episodes and movies streamed to your PC, Mac, or TV instantly. Plus, get DVDs by mail in about one business day. For a free 30-day trial, go to Netflix.com slash twit. And by Audible.com. To download a free audiobook of your choice, go to audiblepodcast.com slash social hour. Welcome to episode seven of the social hour. I have a feeling this is going to be a really good show. I'm Sarah Lane in Petaluma, California. And I'm Amber MacArthur in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. I am happy to uh, be home and uh, be online, feeling great, uh, done traveling for a little while. And uh, I've missed the show. You know, I was off for a week. And I can tell you, Sarah, that uh, we could do a show every day for probably three or four hours with all the content there is. It's it's a busy social world out there. It's so true. Uh, The social hour was this fantastic idea we had where we were like, let's talk about social stuff for one hour a week. It's become the biggest challenge to fit that into an hour. In fact, it's, it's never happened. We're always going yes. uh, over just a little bit, but just a little bit. It's because we, it, there's so much we cool try. stuff to talk about, and yeah, it's it's always the hardest part. I think is is the night before when we start weeding out story ideas, when we think, ah, that's so good, but we only have an hour, so not um, going to make the cut. I know, absolutely. And- and we have a guest today, which is really exciting. Uh, I have been following uh, all of the uh, news lately about uh, some of the hottest infographics out there. It's a, a growing trend. Uh, however, it's difficult for our people to create their own infographics, find places to share them. And there is a new tool on the horizon called Visually that uh, was announced a little while ago. It is still not out yet. Uh, we were able to track down uh, one of the founders of the company who's joining us now via Skype to shed some light on when we can expect Visually to go live and uh, give us some more information about how it will help us. Hi there, Lee. Hey, Hi, Lee. Nice to be here. So, Lee, tell us a little bit about Visually because it hasn't launched yet, and and we're excited. It seems infographic e, but we're not exactly sure what it does. Right. So, uh, we, we're going to do a number of things. So, the first thing we're going to do is we're going to create uh, a single place on the internet where you can go to see all of the fantastic infographics and data visualizations that everyone out there is is uh, doing. And uh, really what we're, what we're all about is we really want to kind of promote the whole state of the art around infographics and, and data visualizations. So, so again, this is a single place where you can go 
uh, see everything that everyone's doing in, in one place. You know, bookmark it. If you're a fan of infographics, it's a place you'll want to come back to on a regular basis. And uh, designers uh, can, can uh, participate in a design community, upload their own designs, and uh, create portfolios where uh, publishers can see their work. And really what we're trying to do is connect uh, publishers with designers um, and then um, w another thing we're doing is uh, we are creating tools for the uh, uh, automated creation of infographics so we're going to make it a lot easier to to make these things and we're going to make these tools available really to everyone out there uh, and uh, the other thing is we also have a team of our own uh, data analysts uh, designers, editors, etc., to uh, help publishers create these. So we'll be we'll be doing original uh, work as well. It seems like this is a real need out there, Lee, because uh, it is such a popular trend. However, there are not that many people who understand how to create infographics. And those people who do and who are really good, the reality is, is that they're just too busy to take on new clients. And so there are average people out there like myself who want to know how to, to create their infogra infographics on their own. So as far as the tools to create your own infographics, will it be pretty easy even for someone who doesn't have a lot of design skills to come in, throw in some data and then push out something that actually looks good? Yes, it will. So we want to make this about on the level of something like PowerPoint, where today you're able to use PowerPoint, you're able to get a graph or a pie chart or something like that. Only what you'll, the output from the tool will actually be something that looks like an infographic or even a high-end data visualization. So we're really um, kind of democratizing the whole creation process. So Lee, Yesterday, before um, before we had a chance to, to chat in person here, we were chatting over email, and I had gone to Visually's yeah. homepage, which is visual.ly, and, and there's a place to put in your email and, and get on the list and be notified when the, uh, when the service is ready for prime time. And I said, well, is there a way that I can at least get access to an account because I want to talk about it and there's not much to show? And you said, well, no, because we're working on a new site and and it's uh, you, you don't want to show people something that's outdated. But it must be frustrating to explain that to folks when they don't sure. have it. You know, it's like, how, how sure. do you explain how cool the service is going to be without actually showing anybody? Sure. So, uh so we've had a lot of excitement around this idea, and uh, we uh, we've got a, a, about fifty thousand people signed up for the private beta now. And uh, really, we want to. Uh, it, it will be soon. We'll be launching the site uh, in a couple of weeks at this point. Um, so we apologize for uh, the delay, but we want to make sure that we've got got it right, and we want to be able to have something where we can collect feedback. Uh, from some of the early adopters to really um, to uh, really improve the service, um, but and and I will also mention that we'll have a little bit of a really fun surprise for the people that have signed up. So uh, look forward to that. I can't say too much about it either. Um, and uh, you know we're we're uh, we apologize for uh, being so stealthy, but we but I think you'll be pretty happy once once it launches. Can, can you talk to us a little bit about the team that you have in place behind Visually? Because I can imagine what a big project that is to develop software just like this. Yeah, yeah. So uh, 
to create infographics. I'll just talk about that for a second, because a lot of times uh, what you need is really a multidisciplinary team. You do need a data analyst, you do need an editor, you need a designer, and even the distribution side of it as well, and promotion side of things, right? Because uh, we'll, we, these things are extremely viral and popular in social media and that kind of stuff. So we built a team of, uh, of uh, some of the best data analysts and editorial types uh, as well as designers out there, we have some of the some of the big names uh, that do this kind of stuff on our team already. Um, and then on the engineering side, um, you know, a little bit more unsung heroes there, but we've got a, a pretty strong uh, engineering team as well, building the software and um, trying to make it uh, as easy to use. And it'll be it'll be a web-based tool, so you'll be able to come in, log into your account. Um, and have access to some unique data and then be able to uh, spit out an infographic that you can then plug and play on your website or uh, whatever you want to do with it. Lee, when I uh, signed up uh, just now, and if you can see on, on Visually's website what, uh, what you guys say is thank you very much. Uh, if you want to kind of uh, climb up the ranks in the line, you can share this with your friends. We've got a handy URL. You've got a nice uh, Facebook like button, easily tweet, invite others by mail. This isn't the first uh, situation where I've seen uh, the suggestion to spread the word, help us spread the word, and you'll get access to the service when we're ready uh, quicker than somebody who, who, who doesn't um, use social tools. How, sure. how effective has that been? I mean, do you, do you see more of a viral spreading uh, using this method? Yeah, so it's been extremely effective. We have in, uh, we announced uh, the service uh, about a month ago, and we've already had 50,000 people sign up. So wow. um, it's, uh, you know, I, not everyone uh, is thrilled with the idea of uh, sharing something like this with their friends before they've had to had a chance to take a look with it, frankly, take a look at it, frankly. But, um, you know, we're, we're asking people to kind of take a little bit of a leap of faith here. And uh, uh, like I said, I think you'll, they'll be happy when they, when they see the site. And one thing that I, I uh, really kind of drew me in is the YouTube video that you guys put online and people will be able to check that out just uh, describing yeah. how visually works. I mean, it's really, really slick. And, and quite frankly, my expectations are so high because of that video. <laughs> so, uh, you know, aside right. from having a great team in place, what are you going to do to kind of be able to uh, meet people's expectations and really exceed those expectations as well? Yeah. Yeah. Well, Amber, um, I mean, one thing one thing I'll say is that uh, this is one of the reasons why the site hasn't launched yet, um, is that we know the expectation is high and we're doing our best to meet those expectations. Um, you know, we we're working with uh, a lot of the same people that were that worked on the video are, are working on the site as well as working on the tools. And uh, you'll see some of these infographics that are going by. Um, a lot of these designers are, are on our, our team, on our design staff. Um, so um, we think that um, we can meet those expectations, but uh, the pressure's on, right? I mean, we, we've asked uh, people to take the leap of faith with us, and we know that we have to deliver. Lee, what is it about infographics, the idea of visualizing data, uh, numbers or comparisons, that has become such an internet thing. Uh, you know, you see a lot more infographics, and I don't know if that's just because 
the tools are there and you know this is the right time to kind of expand on the concept is it is it because that's how people's brains uh, absorb information more readily yeah so so the first thing i think sarah is that we're we're in the age of big data there's more information out there than ever before um, and along with that, people have less and less time to consume information. So infographics are a great way to get kind of, kind of tell the story in a bite-sized way that is uh, easily consumable and also uh, very shareable as well, right? So it's easy to, to send infographics around to your friends. Uh, and we find that they're, they're a great way to explain uh, complex topics. So uh, they're used a lot in certain in certain areas, like whether it's economics or politics, sports, health. There's a lot of infographics about the environment. There's a lot of infographics about social media also, such as Twitter and Facebook. Mm -hmm. um, so, so it's just a really uh, kind of uh, contemporary way, I think, of, of uh, uh, presenting information and, and sharing information. And it's been around for a while, but it's becoming more and more popular. Well, it seems like it's going to be an amazing tool. I cannot wait to give it a whirl. Uh, so like you said, we should expect Thanks. that it goes live in a couple of weeks. Uh, hopefully you will uh, let us know since we're signed up for uh, an invite. Uh, we may know uh, quickly too. You, you, you'll be the first in line. All right. Okay. Lee Sherman, Thank thanks so much. so much for joining us. Uh, it was great thanks to talk you to you. Uh, Visually is, I mean, we're intrigued. Amber and I, we're, we're on board. Uh, Lee Sherman, co-founder and chief content officer of Visually. That's visual.ly. Thanks so much for chatting with us today. Thanks. Bye. Thank you. So, Amber, um, what are we gonna what what are we gonna do about this visualization? Uh, you know, how how are we gonna deal until we get access to this? <laughs> I don't know, Sarah, but uh, I won't be cre creating my own uh, infographics. Like I said, I think it's a really amazing skill to have and uh, it's not easy to do. So, uh, But there are times where I think, wow, this would be a great infographic. You know, I don't necessarily want to write an article or produce some type of report for work. And it would be nice to just put something into some beautiful design. And it became uh, really relevant to me. Uh, recently, I spoke at an education conference and I was, I was talking to some of the teachers about how I thought that a lot of students would love to learn how how to create infographics. You know, imagine doing an assignment and you could hand that in instead of an essay or, um, you know, it, maybe this is the future of how content is delivered. So um, uh, hopefully it's a, a really cool tool. I, I think it looks like it is. And, uh, um, you know, it, it'll be fun to just uh, give it a try. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited. It's not, it's not that often that I haven't played around with a service and I'm still like, ah, this seems really great. You know, usually yeah. it's like, I, if I haven't tried, who knows? Because there are so many good and bad services. But, yeah, you know, another exactly. service that is really great that I know you, we can pretty much thank you for turning us on to is FreshBooks. FreshBooks ah. is one of those services that helps you invoice folks, people that need to pay you for a job well done. Maybe you made some infographics for, for some folks <laughs> and they said, we'll give you... 50 bucks per infographic or something like that. And you don't want to be that person who's, who's bugging the company. You want to be professional. You want to invoice them. You want to get paid on time. FreshBooks is the place to go, isn't it? 
It sure is. You know, I've been using them for a few years now, quite a while. I mean, and it really has made the whole process of invoicing and keeping track of all the money coming into my company and uh, also uh, going out. It's just a, a really handy web-based tool that uh, will take the pain out of invoicing. You know, so often when you're dealing with clients, you either they're late with an invoice or maybe they didn't properly uh, send you the right amount of money, whatever it might be. This just really streamlines the process. So you put it into a reliable service like FreshBooks and they manage all of that. So if you need to send reminders, you need to keep track of who's paid, who hasn't paid, it's all right there. So you don't have to waste a ton of time dealing with your accounting for your small, medium, or even a large size business. You can do it all within the FreshBooks interface. Yeah, FreshBooks is... Uh what they'll do is they'll take care of your invoicing for you. They'll help set up reminders. You can uh, you can uh, help. Uh, they'll help you bill by the hour if you're if you're doing uh, hourly billing type of uh, services. And you can get paid a variety of different ways. You can get checks. You can get money deposited to your bank account, PayPal, variety of other online ways. Or you can do everything through the mail. If that's what you want to do or that's how your clients like to work, FreshBooks will pretty much work in any scenario that you need it to work. Um, Amber uses it and you can actually use it too for up to three of your clients today absolutely free. A lot of people don't have more than three clients. If, so, if you have more, they've got really, really, really um, reasonable pricing options. Um, there's there's kind of something for everybody, um, whether you, uh, you have a really robust uh, uh, business or you're just a freelancer doing odd jobs here and there. You still want your invoices to look awesome. You want to be a professional. That's how you're displaying yourself to the world. And FreshBooks will help you do that. It's freshbooks.com. It's so easy to sign up. Just takes a few seconds. And uh, again, free for up to three of your clients. So, hey, if you're, if you're just getting going, try out FreshBooks. It will only make your life easier. And we thank them so much for sponsoring this episode of The Social Hour. Yeah, it's, they're awesome. You know, one thing, and I keep talking about how much I love FreshBooks, but you hit on a really good point, Sarah, which is your clients will love FreshBooks too because it just makes their lives easier as well because they have it, They have these really great looking invoices and uh, it's all within the system and they can check in. And, and uh, it just, uh, again, just like I said, it just streamlines the whole process. So uh, it's fantastic. I love them. Yay. Love, love, love. Good. Match made in heaven. Fresh books. It, it I gotta sure do, is. I got to do some more freelancing so I can use it. Yeah. Um, I, I, it's I, worth it. I'm at Twit so much right now. It's like, well, you know, eventually, eventually. It kind of goes in waves for me. I get a lot of work yeah. at one point. I mean, you know all about that working in the media. Uh, speaking of the media, I have a question for you, Amber. And this is one of these questions that you never know the answer to because everyone has a different opinion. Mm. Do you consider yourself a journalist? Yeah, that's a really good question. And uh, I know this was kind of triggered by the conversation that was going on on TechCrunch with Michael Arrington and uh, uh, him talking about how he does invest in companies, but he is upfront about that. And uh, I don't know, you know, it's funny because I, I oftentimes do call myself a journalist, but the reality is if I were to try to make a, a full-time living right now, just off doing some of the writing that I do and some of the TV stuff I do, it really wouldn't be a great living. So <laughs> I'm forced into doing other things, which I love like speaking and consulting. So uh, for me, I think I am a journalist. However, I think the definite definition of a journalist has changed a little bit. Um, 
And there are plenty of examples of people out there who are citizen journalists and uh, who are working journalists but have another job. So um, it, it's an interesting debate to talk about objective journalism because I think that's something that has really been impacted over the past few years, especially as there are companies out there uh, in Canada, for example, uh, some of the big telcos in Canada, they own all of the, the television stations and uh, radio stations. And so obviously there's influence, there's corporate influence there. And so Personally, I don't know how you feel about this, but when I look at something that I think of as journalism, I don't really think of it necessarily being entirely objective because I just think we live in a, in a different world. Uh, so I think there's been a lot of change. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, and for anybody who's kind of like, what is this whole debate? What, what are they talking about? There was, a, there was a back and forth that's been going on, I guess, for uh, a couple of weeks now, but... but in the last week, very, very uh, heated debate with a lot of opinions online. It all started with Michael Arrington, who of course runs TechCrunch, um, was, uh, comes from a, like a VC background. Um, and at one point he decided because it was um, a conflict of interest and he was getting a lot of flack for it some years ago, he stopped investing in companies and then pretty transparently recently said, listen, I'm gonna start investing in companies again. We might talk about them on our tech blog, TechCrunch, if we do, uh, you know, I'm either not going to write about it or if there's any sort of disclosure to be made, it will be made. And you can kind of take with that what you will. Um, and and there were a lot of differing opinions. I mean, uh, Kara Swisher um, is one of the, was was one of the blog bloggers. I don't know if she wants to call herself a blogger or a journalist, but I mean, they're all blogs anyway, who said, listen, you can't do stuff like that. Um, and so there's been some back and forth and some people would say that this is, you know, just kind of infighting, inside baseball blogger mm -hmm. spats that, that, that come up every once in a while. But it is an interesting debate. It's kind of like, listen, is anybody really objective anymore? I mean, Amber, you and I, are we objective? I mean, I, my boyfriend works at TechCrunch. You know, that's mm -hmm. something that I don't have a problem saying. I certainly wouldn't want to lead people astray and I wouldn't want anyone to think that I talk about anything that they would write because of that reason. It's just something where it's like, that's the reality. Uh, relationships are complicated. Certainly in the technology world, people are intertwined in all sorts of ways. And even if you're not monetarily benefiting from a company doing well, you know, having a friendship with folks or a relationship with folks, that factors in too. So in my opinion, yeah, I don't really know what the right answer is, except mm. to say that, as much transparency as possible is the only way to be honest. Yeah, and that yeah. way people can say either, well, we like your approach, we're cool with this, or we're not, but at least you're not holding anything back. Yeah, no, I think uh, transparency is the key word there. So just being honest and upfront about you know, who else you're working for. And uh, I know even when I, if I tweet something and it, it's something we've worked on for a client, I'll always just mention that it's a, a, a client link that I'm putting out there just so people know. And I, mm -hmm. I think people expect more and more of that. And I will say, you know, I know Michael Arrington, there's been some upsets along the way. And, you know, people have been very critical of him, including uh, uh, myself. And uh, I think the real reality is, though, I didn't start reading TechCrunch because, you uh, you know, Michael Arrington was objective. I don't. I don't think he was ever objective <laughs> in, in in many ways. In the sense that he always had an opinion on something, and I always kind of knew he was involved with some companies. And so, uh, I think people need to kind of remember that a little bit. I wouldn't necessarily call call all of the articles on TechCrunch objective journalism. They're just not, and they have advertisers and sponsors just like the rest of us. And and those things are going to influence the way that their editorial is written. And again, I'll just go back to say that's the world we live in. Mm -hmm. Now, if 
I want objective journalism, uh, you know, I listen to NPR all the time. And in Canada, we have CBC, which I think is about as objective as you can get in most cases. Uh, however, you you know, sometimes you do see some shifts there where they're influenced a little bit as well by corporations, but you know, it's pretty close to being objective. So um, I think you just have to you know look at the source where you're getting information, and then think about who, who the advertisers are and and who they've brought on board and and who the people are who are presenting information, and just do a little bit of uh, legwork on your own, and and then expect that transparency from the people on the front end who are calling themselves journalists. And I think that you make a good point that this is all, we can talk about this and say, listen, just be yourself, be honest. That's all you can really do. We're, we're in an age where objective journalism is, is difficult, if not impossible. But then, um, then what happens is, is everyone reading little disclosures that might be at the bottom of blog posts. I mean, uh, the, these are very successful people who have very influential voices. Uh, you know, they can make or break companies sometimes. So mm -hmm. it's kind of like when you get into the social aspect of this and links are being shared and people don't really understand what might be behind uh, the motivation to write, um, a, you know, a, a, a review or a story or, or to trash something or, you know, it's like, and it goes just beyond journalists. I mean, these are, you know, people who invest in things, people who, who build competing products. Everyone who has an influential voice in the social space has, has uh, some sort of a degree of an agenda. And mm -hmm. it is, uh, it's unfortunate, but I mean, you have to be a responsible reader or consumer as well to make sure that, that, that you kind of understand where everybody's coming from. Because again, um, everyone's coming from somewhere and there, there is something to be said, I think, about really opinionated um, reviews. I, you know, I like to think that I give opinionated reviews. Um, I try not to talk too much about stuff that I just don't like, um, but it's important to be honest about these sorts of things. And mm. if there was any, you know, if I was building some sort of a iPad app that was about I don't know, kittens. And, you know, there was some sort of a competing app that I trashed the review on. I would have to disclose that I was, you know, that I, that I have some sort of an invested interest in that sort of thing. So it's just, you know, it's, it's interesting that there's, there's a lot of pressure put on people to kind of, to, to, to read between the lines and figure out where the news is coming from and, and why they're getting it in the way that they're getting it. I mean, I think the good news, though, is that it's never been easier to get information about uh, companies and individuals and, and, you know, dig up their past history if they've worked with companies and there is any type of conflict of interest. And, and I would also say with a younger generation, I think they're more media savvy than ever before. And they're really in tune to, um, you know, getting information from companies and, and they understand that, okay, well, here's the, a little bit of history about this company and maybe why their, their view is slanted in this direction. So I think we're, we're all getting more media savvy. And I, I think it's something even even that should be taught in schools is, is, is you know, teach students how to uh, almost analyze the news and the information that they're getting so they understand what's what's uh, objective, what's not, and, and how to kind of make that, that uh, distinction between those things. Absolutely. Uh, speaking of, of adding things socially and sharing links, Twitter, you may have heard of it. Uh, it's this little site <laughs> where you have 140 characters and you have to say something really interesting about your day. I'm kidding, of course, we all know about Twitter, but you may not know about this extremely handy Chrome extension. And actually, uh, um, it's it's an add-on for a variety of, of, of third-party Twitter services, Seismic, 
um, is one of them. And I believe TweetDeck as well. So let me show you what I'm talking about. Uh, so the, I'm, I'm using the Chrome extension because I use Chrome, and so that works out well for me. If you see up here in the, the upper left-hand corner next to the Twitter icon, there's sort of this little P icon. Well, what's that? It is something called Proxlet, and it's, an, it's, a, it's a Chrome extension add-on that allows me to filter my Twitter stream in a variety of ways, most notably muting people. So let's just say, I hate to, I'll, I'll use Brian Brushwood because everyone knows that I would never mute Brian Brushwood. He is just, he's just the guy I have to use as an example. So I'm hovering over this, this tweet. Um, it's a tweet about magic because Brian Brushwood okay. is, is a magician. So I've got all these options here. I can click on the permalink to the tweet. I could favorite it. I could retweet. I could reply to him. Now something called Proxlet. That's also an option. So if I click on that, now I've got these options to mute Schwood, that's his Twitter name, for a day, for a week, for wherever. So the, that's a really good handy tool for people who are just like, for, for friend reasons, I might run into you at, a, you know, at, at our favorite cafe. I don't want you to know that I'm followed you. So I don't have to unfollow you. I could just, I could just mute you forever. Um, TweetDeck, he's using TweetDeck. So for some reason you were getting a lot of tweets from people who, uh, I, I don't know, bother you or for, for some reason you don't like that service, you can actually block certain services. You can also block, um, let me just click on college rules. That's a popular right. hashtag that's trending right now in San Francisco. I can block hashtags as well. So if I click on something where, that does include a hashtag, which of course is the pound sign and then a term, I can, I can mute Arby's, who was the person who tweeted this out, or I can mute something called college rules. So, you know, Amber, every once in a while, something will go around where it's like, there'll be a fun hashtag that gains traction and everyone's making jokes and being a comedian on Twitter. And it's like, sometimes you're into it and sometimes you're not. Let's say yeah, college like, rules. Like may the fourth be with you. Something like that. You could mute that. Mm. You could mute it forever or you could maybe mute it for one week if you figure that, that it'll fall off at any point. Now, what we're doing is looking at, uh, these are kind of like proxlet shortcuts. What, what I can do, I have the opportunity to put in more specific strings. I can, I could mute you for three days. For example, if I, if I go to Proxlet, there's a, there's an entry area where I can actually drill down much more specifically than just muting somebody for a day or muting a hashtag term for a week or something like that. But I gotta say that was, I mean, it was about two seconds to install and very helpful already. I don't want to say yeah. who I would ever want to mute because I never feel good doing that. But you know, when everybody goes to South by Southwest uh, and for a yes. week, you're like, oh my gosh, it's just, this is just, it doesn't apply to me. There are all these inside jokes that I don't get, or maybe everyone's at the Mark Zuckerberg keynote and you just want to watch it later and you just don't want to hear all the noise. You could filter all of that out very easily. Love it. It's very cool. Yeah, I mean, I think that happens to all of us, right? There's a, always those days in the week where something is trending and people can't stop talking about it. And as much as I like to stay on top of that, uh, sometimes I wish that I could just silence it all and focus on some other stuff out there. So this looks like a really cool uh, Chrome extension. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, so Sarah, I know that we have uh, another uh, uh, a sponsor, which is super exciting. And then maybe after we talk about this sponsor, uh, just because it's kind of tied in a little bit, I saw this great film on the weekend that has to do with uh, our favorite furry red friend. Oh, wow, yes. 
<laughs> Do tell me more. But first, we want to talk about Netflix because Netflix is... Anybody who knows Twit knows that we are huge Netflix fans here because it is the best way to watch movies from the comfort of your home, either instant streaming-wise or just DVDs delivered to your mailbox right outside your door or at the bottom of your apartment complex or wherever you might have movies delivered. Um, I am a huge Netflix instant streaming fan myself because with a few clicks, I just watch movies. I actually have a Netflix-enabled TV, but if you have a PC or a Mac. You can stream movies that way. If you've got uh, Xbox 360, a PS3, a Nintendo Wii, all ways that you can watch Netflix as well. And the interface is really easy, and they're adding movies all the time. For example, looking at the Netflix website right now, Star Trek. Star Trek was a great movie. Gosh, when did that come out? 2009? I think it was 2009. That is an awesome movie. I, I loved it. Now it's on uh, Netflix streaming. Uh, they Their collection is big and growing all the time. New in town. Haven't heard of it. Maybe I should put it in my queue. If you're unfamiliar with how Netflix works, what you do is you sign up. You get a one-month free trial, by the way. So you can watch movies for free for a month. So there's really nothing stopping you. Once you sign up, uh, you just start adding movies to your queue. So that's pretty much just an online list that's an order of how you want to receive your movie. So whatever's next in your queue is the movie that you're watching next. What if you want to reorder? That's easy. It's just a matter of dragging and dropping, and you can totally reorder your list, or let's say your, your loved one, and you share a Netflix account. I hear the story all the time where they go, wait a second, she put all of her movies at the top. Uh, you can just reorder again, and uh, hopefully work it out between the two of you. Netflix.com slash twit is the URL um, to start your free trial we love them. Can't uh, can't can't say enough um, good stuff about Netflix. I I I watch movies. I, I'm a big movie person. I watch movies um, on Netflix streaming, two three nights a week. Works well. Uh, and uh, for Blu-ray fans, you can get those delivered in a, their delivery service as well. They're great. We love them. Netflix.com/slash/twit is the URL. Netflix.com works too. But if you use slash twit, then they know that that you came through us and then they say, Twit is great. We would like to work with them in the future and everybody <laughs> wins. So we thank them for sponsoring this episode of The Social Hour. Amber, furry friend, uh, let's get yes. back to that. What, what does that mean? So uh, this is just a fun social media story. I was at South by Southwest. Uh, actually, I wasn't at the event, but I was in Austin at the same time. Didn't make it to the festival. And so a strange story that I probably mentioned before. But uh, I was down there and uh, I was on Twitter and I got a tweet from uh, uh, someone uh, who was working on a film called Being Elmo. And his name is Philip Shane. And uh, we were chatting and I was telling him about how much my son loved Elmo. And uh, he mentioned that they were uh, uh, bringing their, uh, their movie to Hot Docs, which is a film festival here in Toronto. And uh, if I'd like to interview him and maybe even Kevin Clash and, and possibly even meet Elmo, that he would help to arrange this. So this was back in March and uh, I kept in touch with him because uh, you know, Elmo's a great character and I think all of us kind of grew up on Sesame Street and there's something magical about it. And uh, we were on Twitter for a while going back and forth. And then finally this Saturday, I got a chance to uh, uh, meet Kevin Clash, who is the puppeteer behind uh, Elmo, who has worked uh, uh, creating Elmo's character for 
for quite a while now and uh, saw the film as well, Being Elmo, which is fantastic. And I highly recommend it to anyone uh, who just loves the story of, uh, of uh, Sesame Street and, and wants to learn more about someone like Kevin Clash, who's had a big influence on that. So, but more importantly, got to hang out with Elmo and uh, talk to him. And uh, I'm, well, I'll have clips online on a show that I do for CTV, I'm sure, in the next couple of weeks. But it was so much fun. And uh, uh, there's nothing like having a, a conversation with little little Elmo. There's, uh, there's an Instagram picture that I just pulled up of, <laughs> of you looking adorable and Elmo looking like Elmo. I mean, it's kind of like, this is a really cool, I don't want to call it a rite of passage because I'm afraid I'll never meet Elmo, but uh, it's like, <laughs> it's, it's, this is a, it, hanging out with a Sesame Street Muppet is, yes. is one of, one of those things that I aspire to, to, to be that person. Um, I grew up on Sesame Street. Um, I, I love all this stuff. Elmo actually came in, he was introduced as a, as a character on the show, kind of as I was transitioning into my post Sesame Street, I'm too old for this kind of a stage. Sure. But yeah. I always secretly really liked him. Um, oh, yeah, definitely. And I don't know if you know this, but um, in the movie Being Elmo, they explained how Elmo's character came to be. And it used to be uh, the puppeteer was someone else. It wasn't Kevin Clash. And Elmo wasn't a very popular character at all. In fact, he had a caveman-like quality to him. He talked really funny. And then Kevin Clash came in and he reinvented the Elmo character. And it, it, he'll say this many times and you'll read about this if you read about the film where he talked about how Elmo really represents love. That's what Elmo is all about. He's all about love and kindness. And I never thought about that before, but I think that's why, you know, toddler, toddlers love Elmo. You know, he's always hugging and kissing. Oh, Elmo loves you. Oh, it's okay. And uh, it was neat to meet uh, both Elmo and, and uh, Kevin Clash. And you just see how talented Kevin Clash is. You know, he's he's below Elmo and, and Elmo is talking to me and it, he's just hilarious. I said to Elmo, I said, well, I wore red so that I would match you, Elmo. And he says, oh, good. Well, maybe I should have come in the flesh. <laughs> you know, like, just all these funny comments. And so it was a lot of fun. But I mean, that whole meeting just came about because of a little Twitter message that I got from some guy and I just followed up on it and, um, you know, ended up spending some time with uh, Philip yesterday too and interviewing him. And uh, it was just really fun. So I, I, you know, when you talk about social media, it's just, a, you know, stories like that to me, that, that's where all these platforms become so powerful. Absolutely. Uh, we got an email, speaking of social media being powerful, in the long saga of whether it's worth it to use social media in order to, to, to get through to a brand who's either doing something good or more often doing something wrong uh, that you need fixed and you need them to, to recognize you as a consumer who has needs. Uh, to Tony Arlington wrote in and said, a few weeks ago, I called Time Warner Cable, added HBO to my cable subscription, wanted to watch Game of Thrones. You're not alone, Tony. I called Time Warner a couple hours before the show, uh, and then they told me I needed to call back the next day. They couldn't resolve my issue, and I was angry because I wanted to watch Game of Thrones in an hour. So I went to Twitter, and I tweeted to HBO that Time Warner Cable couldn't add their channel to my account. I said how much I hated Time Warner Cable, etc. Again, heat of the moment. Tony's not alone. I have done the same. Woke up the next morning. I received a DM on Twitter from Time Warner Cable Help. And they'd seen my tweet. And they wanted to see what they could do to make it right. And I had 10 followers at this point on Twitter, Tony says. So this is not me being like, you know, some suggested user list power Twitter user. This is just, just a guy. And um, 
they, uh, he said, yeah, so in the grand scheme of Twitter, I have zero sway with anybody. Probably not true, Tony, but we get the point. I gave Time Warner Cable help my info, and within three hours, they had phoned me directly. The issue was resolved. Just wanted to let you guys know. It's possible to get social media representatives to assist and resolve issues, and it's not just about shutting people up, even if you're a Twitter nobody. And I, I like this email because... I think that it really, you know, we could talk about that. We we could we could talk about one of these stories every single week, and still people would be on either side of the fence of of whether this is just, um, yeah, you have exceptions to the rule, but more often than not, uh, Time Warner Cable would just ignore all of the noise, and and maybe Tony just got lucky and he was picked as the guy uh, to to help that day. And it's true, I mean, I, you know, customer service only goes so far, but I do think it's just further illustrates that um, people do get something out of connecting to other folks. I mean, Time Warner Cable is a big company. They've obviously sure. hired somebody to watch um, for keywords or for, for specific tweets and um, companies are helping people. So that's good. Yeah, it's great. And I think that one of the most important things for companies out there who are doing things like that is to make sure they also take the next step. Because what happens with a lot of companies, and I experienced this recently with JetBlue, where even though they have a social media person on Twitter, uh, the interaction I have with head with them was just sort of along the lines of, hey, we're really sorry that this happened. You mm -hmm. know, end of story, right? So I, I think companies also have to take that next step. Some of the best companies out there actually go into action and do something about it. You're not just there as like a, you know, someone to listen and, and be, you know, just a, a voice on the other end. So people People can complain you actually have to try to do something so lots of great examples of that absolutely uh, we also had a couple other people write in about a service called memo lane which amber i can't remember did we talk about this on net at night back in the day i have never heard about this sarah okay. and but before we talk about it i have to ask sarah is there any conflict of interest you know it is memo lane <laughs> i wish i wish i was behind the service because i really like it no uh memo lane is not my cousin um, it is just uh, more more of a um, a reference to a street, a lane that you walk down of some kind. Uh, okay, good. good. Um, you know, it's funny. Uh, I was um, where was I the other day? Oh, I was buying something at the grocery store, and a guy looked at my credit card and said, "Ah, Sarah Lane. <laughs> Are there any streets named after you?" And I said, "Yeah, people actually send me pictures of streets all the time." Uh, that's kind of one of those things. And he goes, how's your sister Lois? And I said, oh, yeah, I've heard that one too. So it's, <laughs> oh, it's, no. it's funny to have it. I mean, believe me, it doesn't bother me. Um, Sarah Lame is also, uh, you know, and it, it's when you have a, a, a very common name, it's it's fun to, to see all, all of the iterations of it. But Memo Lane is awesome. I had thought that we had talked about it on Net at Night. I guess we haven't. So I'm glad that we're talking about it now because it is really awesomely social. Um, Brian from Houston had written in and said, have you heard of Memo Lane? Because it's a great social web app that allows you to plug in all of your social networks to create a social timeline, like what you were listening to six months ago on Last FM or, or what you were tweeting about or a specific time or over Christmas supports a lot of networks. And that's true. Um, I am a Memo Lane user and I've been using the service for, for some time. So what, um, in a nutshell, what we're looking at is a, it's not so much a calendar representation, although it's kind of calendar-like, but uh, here's Wednesday, May 4th, 2011. These are all the things that I did. So for example, I checked in on Foursquare to a variety of places, and you can see on the map where I was. So, you know, you obviously have to be uh, <laughs> pretty comfortable with location mm -hmm. in order to share stuff like this on Memo Lane. Um, the next day, 
I tweeted a soundtracking link um, about Elliot Smith because I had soundtracked it at a, at a bar where I was having a nice glass of wine. I tweeted again. I um, took a picture on Instagram. That link doesn't seem to be opening right now, but you can see in the thumbnail and so on. So you get the idea and I'm scrolling vertically based on the day. Now on the bottom here, if you can see back and forth, I can scroll all the way back to February 8th, 2007. If I click on that, one of my first entries ever, this is a picture that I had, I think I had tagged myself on Facebook. It's a picture of me back in the screensavers days. And this looks like, um, looks like the icons actually aren't opening fully um, on Facebook. And here's some last, last FM links as well. Um, our, uh, our emailer is right. There are a lot of services that Memo Lane connects to. Last FM, Instagram, Amazing. obviously Facebook, Twitter, Foursquare, um, YouTube. I'm not a huge YouTube user, um, I, meaning I don't, I don't actually share a lot of videos on YouTube. I, I watch a lot of them, but I don't always leave a, sort of a trail of breadcrumbs, but that's exactly what this is. And it has come in handy nostalgia-wise. December 1st, 2009, um, I was interested in Square. I can see these tweets where oh, I was, that's so cool. yeah, Square the company, which is which is uh, sort of like an alternative payment service where you can you can pay people with a little um, iOS add-on. So it's like, yeah, I just I just wouldn't have known that, and I don't know that if I were just to figure out a way to search back through Twitter, which by the way is hard to do. If mm. I would care in the way that I care, where it's like I see what I have done in packets um, a lot more yeah. easily. It's free service, by the way. It's really fun. You know, I'm just uh, poking through the site right now. And, uh, I, you know, I have seen other services like this, but this one does seem to be uh, designed and it seems to work a lot better than some of the other options out there. We should try to get them on the show because this is a uh, an interesting topic of conversation beyond memory lane in, in terms of how people can kind of save and share uh, some of their uh, memories and their tweets and pictures and all that stuff. Because it is, it's like having an online diary that you don't really, you know, obsess about, you know, writing things. But... Um, um, you do push out a ton of content if you look at all those different social services. Absolutely. A few people in the chat room are like, well, this seems great, but isn't this really Big Brother ask? I mean, having all of this public data out mm. there, you do have options. I, you know, I, I, I want to make sure that people know that Memo Lane, I use it in a very public way because these tools are, it just makes sense for me to use the tool this way. I'm, I'm pretty transparent and I like to see how it works when everyone has access to this information. But if for whatever reason you didn't want uh, your Foursquare updates to be shown publicly only, you only wanted other friends on Memo Lane, for example, to be able to see them, you can, you can up the, the, uh, the privacy settings or, um, or, or be more open depending on what kind of person you are. So you do have options there. It's not all like, ooh, super creepy kind of yeah. thing. We also got um, on the subject of this, I thought, oh, cool. So Brian from Houston wanted us to know about Memolane and I know about it. But then Joe separately, I'm not sure where you live, Joe, but Joe took a cross country trip recently with a friend and used Memolane um, and sent us the link in this in this way, I'd never actually thought about using it where you can actually create a memo lane account and have multiple contributors. So Joe and his friend were both two contributors. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, on this trip on memo lane where they, you know, I think they were going, I don't know, east to west or something in the U.S. And they took a bunch of pictures and they check in to, they checked in a bunch of places. You can see they're in Nevada at this point, you know, and they're they're moving west. 
And um, and this timeline, I mean, my timeline for my personal account goes back to 2007. This is, if you scroll through, I mean, it started on mid-March and they only went to March 23rd until they got to the destination that they wanted to go to. So that's a whole different way that I hadn't even thought about using this where you could actually share this link with your mom or something and... and well, maybe not. I don't know. I don't. I don't know how many uh, how many moms like are using Foursquare, but say here's a really good sense of where we were and what we were doing and how we were sharing information while we were on the road for a specific reason. So I like the event based memo lanes. As yeah, well. that's really neat. Yeah, I'm gonna have to sign up for it. It looks super cool. Because uh, I'm always wondering, you know, I even sometimes go back and tweets that I sent, and I guess I signed up on Twitter maybe 2007, and uh, it, it's fun just to see where you're at, what stuff you're doing, and it, because. It, I don't know about you, Sarah, but I don't keep a diary. I mean, I'm kind of no. beyond that point and yep. um, I don't write anything. In fact, when I have to even write a, a you know, sign my name, I remember how uh, rare it is that I actually have a pen in my hand. Mm. So uh, it, it's a really fun tool. Yeah. Love Memo Lane. And we love when you guys send us uh, feedback because I, we, we get so many great ideas from folks. It's fun to hear your stories. Um, it's even fun when you gripe about something because we get an idea of, of, of what is sticking with you. And of course, the social hour is a social show. So we want as much feedback from you week to week as possible. So we can all be in on the conversation together. Uh, that is the point of it. A few ways that you can get a hold of us. The social hour at twit.tv is our email. You can leave us a voicemail at 2626social. And if you want to record a video know that we've gotten many videos over the last week or so we did get a lot of emails so thank you for that but if you're feeling brave um and if you've got a camera and you just want to upload a video try to keep it 30 seconds or less is is the most helpful for us upload it somewhere youtube vimeo anywhere really that you can host a video and send us a link we'd love to see your smiling face and um and be able to see uh you know two-way street you can watch us and we can watch you. So thank you so much for the feedback so far. And we uh, look forward to more. Amber, before we get to our rad or fad portion of the show, we should thank, oh, a little company called Audible uh, that I know I know you use. I keep saying that little company is called because it's, it's my joke because I know that <laughs> we, we know so much about them and that they're great. Audible.com, if you're not familiar with it, is the place the place to get audiobooks. They have over 75,000 titles. I don't know how many books I've read in my life, but it's probably much less than that. I don't even know if I've read a thousand books in my life. That seems like a lot, doesn't it? Yeah, it seems like a Yeah, I guess so. It does seem like a lot. It's hard to say. Um, it's, it is hard to say, they, but they have so many different titles. I've actually, I have one for a pick this week, if you oh, don't you, have one, Sarah. No, go for it. What's your pick? Uh, well, I have to say, I haven't read this, but um, I've heard a little bit about it and I noticed that it's on Audible. And I was thinking since so many people who are listening in on the show are interested in social media and probably have businesses or have jobs where they need to learn how to kind of promote online, that uh, this book called The Digital Handshake, Seven Proven Strategies to Grow Your Business Using Social Media would be a, a good read. It came out last year and um, it's available now. It's about just over six hours and uh, looks like a pretty comprehensive guide to understanding some of the tips and tricks for uh, social media uh, strategies and uh, getting online in a, in a successful way. That's awesome. It sounds right up our alley, in fact. You know, it's, if you're not familiar with Audible, their website's great. Um, as Amber was explaining Digital Handshake to me, I just typed it right in 
Um, it auto-completed. Is this the book you're looking for? And certainly here we are, The Digital Handshake, Seven Proven Strategies to Grow Your Business Using Social Media, which is something that a lot of people could use, by Paul Chaney, narrated by Scott Peterson. Um, what's cool about Audible is that we're going to give you a little free offer. If you want to buy the digital handshake, but let's say you want to buy it for $0, you can, because listeners or viewers of The Social Hour get one free audiobook for signing up with audible.com. Yay! So if you go to audiblepodcast.com slash social hour, that is our special, our special URL so that Audible knows you came through us and you want this book or any other book, any book, 75,000 titles. Believe me, there's a book out there for you. You can get your free book today. Like Amber said, that's hours and hours of exciting social media tips and tricks to grow your business. Or you could, uh, you could read Twitter Power 2.0, How to Dominate Your Market One Tweet at a Time. There's all sorts of social media books um, that uh, will give you information and ideas and, and so on and so forth. Or you could just look through new releases in their most popular area. Audible gives you all sorts of novel. I mean, this is nonfiction, fiction, uh, some periodicals even. If you want your newspaper stories read to you, maybe you're in the car like me, you're commuting, you're a bit of a captive audience for a certain amount of time per day at the gym. Maybe you just like taking long walks. Um, or maybe you're just tired at night and, and holding a book and, and, and reading in bed or on the couch is, you're not reading as much as you used to because it takes a lot of effort and you're tired. Audiobooks are really cool. It's such a good way to go to sleep. I can't say enough good stuff about Audible. We love that they're our sponsor. We thank them so much for sponsoring our show. And of course, audiblepodcast.com slash social hour. Get a free book. Get a free audiobook today. Enjoy it. And I bet you'll be like, hey, why didn't I have audiobooks before? My life has changed. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, um, Sarah, for our last little bit on the show, uh, we have our rad or fad segment, which is one of the most uh, fun parts of the show, I it think. Is. I and uh, it's, yeah, it's always uh, neat to look at some of these services. Now, I just read about this service in the New York Times, and it is called Who Say. Now, uh, to give you a little history on Who Say, I actually stumbled across Who Say many uh, months ago, where um, Dana Brunetti, you know, is a, a friend of Twit uh, who produced the social network. I noticed that when I was clicking on Dana's links to some of his images, mm -hmm. they would go to a site called whosay.com slash Dana Brunetti. And I meant to ask him, and I never got a chance to, what is Who Say all about and why is he using this versus using uh, TwitPick or uh, some of the other uh, PickPlease or, or those other services out there that allow you to upload photos in your social streams. Well, it turns out um, the New York Times just did an article about uh, Who Say that talks about how it helps celebrities and uh, special people uh, mm -hmm. use uh, uh, social services and upload their photos. But it allows those individuals to retain the rights to their photos. Whereas some of the other services that we're all using, when we put our pictures out there, they can then possibly sell the pictures, they have the rights to them, and we don't really think about that a lot. So the reason I put it in rad or fad is that it bugs me that Husay is only available to some of these people because it's invite only right now. Whereas I feel like we should all be thinking more about these pictures that we're uploading because they really do become part of our, you know, like we talked about, our, our, our memory lane, if you want to use that uh, phrase. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the, this uh, New York Times article, it's interesting because it says, uh, they, they even reference um, a case where Plixi users um, and a lot of, so, yeah, everyone who uses um, 
image services, I mean, there's there's TwitPic, Plixi, YFrog. I mean, you start seeing the same links over and over. Instagram is is a little bit different, but it's it's still a very popular way that people share links on Twitter. The problem mm. is, is that, okay, well, that's an easy way to upload, and that's a nice link, and, and, and you can see how many people have viewed your pic. But who actually owns that image? And of course, for, for someone like Tom Hanks, which is what the New York Times uses as a good example, Tom Hanks is using Salie. Um, and the whole idea behind Salie, as I understand it, is that they allow you to retain the right to your photo. And the reason, it's funny, Amber, that, that we're talking about Salie, that I know- Is it Salie or who say, Sarah? Who say, oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Uh, okay. Salie is, uh, is the extension. Sure. Yeah, so yeah, I just want to make sure. Yeah, yeah no, services called who say, um, Salie is, is just the, the links that I'm always seeing in people's profiles. The reason I know about this is because I actually know somebody who works at who say, because it's part of CAA, which is a, it's creative artist agency down in Los Angeles, which is a really big um, uh, PR um, uh, management firm for, for, um, for celebrities, agents. And um, Kat Schwartz, who used to work with us at Tech TV mm -hmm. and, and was on uh, Call for Help, the San Francisco edition with Leo, works at Husay, and so oh, she- Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, she does. And back in the day where she did, I haven't talked to her in a couple months, but um, she had said, oh, there's this new service and, and it really makes sense and you should you should check it out because um, as a influencer who, you know, she was nice enough to say, you want <laughs> to retain rights to your own images. And I kind of sure. went, well, I feel like I'm already doing that with a variety of services. So at the time I kind of went, yeah, that sounds good. Um, but I, I don't really want to use yet another service because I at least like to yeah. use sort of one to keep all my pictures in one place. And I also don't consider myself a celebrity. So it's like, I don't know, my pictures get copied all over the internet. I mean, what's new? <laughs> but if you were someone like Jim Carrey or Kevin Spacey or Eva Longoria or James Frank, who I noticed had sent out a who say pick uh, recently, that stuff probably makes a lot more sense. And assuming that because it is in collaboration with CAA, uh, your, your management team kind of has more control over what you're sharing and not only has access to kind of the statistics, but can go after anybody mm -hmm. who then takes that image and it ends up somewhere else without permission or, or sure. you know, for profit. Yeah, no, it's interesting. And I mean, I think we don't talk about this a lot because we're so, it's such a, a casual thing to share photos on some of these social services. So um, I just thought it was uh, something I haven't thought about a lot in the past. And, and like you, I don't think a lot of, you know, someone wants to use some of the images that I send out there. It's, it's not necessarily a big deal. However, you know, you never know. There's examples of people who would use them improperly. And, um, you know, I think that there needs to be more awareness around this issue and, and more, uh, more conversations. And I, I think Amazon also has part ownership in who say, if I'm correct, yeah, uh, you're a right. tiny little bit of ownership. Uh, so you know what? It's a matter only a matter of time, I'm sure, before we have a rad service like this that all of us can use uh, to uh, make sure, if you want to, to uh, protect those images you send out in those fleeting moments. Yeah, I mean, I think I'll go ahead and call this rad. It's the, the you know the fad part of it is can this catch on in big numbers? Mm -hmm. Because if you limit it to people who are big celebrities, like, I mean, if we're talking Tom Hanks type stuff, I mean, how many sure. Tom Hanks can you actually have? And I, I would assume that who says um, eventual goal is to be used by the masses. Well, the masses aren't celebrities, but if you look at this page, I mean, you've got nice tweets, stumble upon Facebook, um, sharing and liking buttons, 
Um, you can embed the photo on your site. Obviously, then who say will will know who who mm -hmm. has shared this. Uh, nice, easy ways to follow Tom Hanks. Apparently, Tom Hanks has a YouTube account, which is really awesome, or at least his management team does. You can view previous photos. I mean, this it, it's it's sort of like an all-in-one, almost like a website type of a thing. Here's a bunch of tweets that he's written recently. I didn't know Tom Hanks was so uh, socially active. And, um, I had no idea. Yeah, they've got Facebook comments enabled where people can comment on the photo. So, I mean, it looks really nice and clearly customized with a picture of him in the background. I just wonder, it's rad. I just wonder how, mm. how it grows, you know? Is it is it a celebrity fad? Because the idea itself is is pretty nice. It's good, yeah. And it's good to know more about it. Now it all makes sense when I see those uh, uh, those URLs going out. Yeah. I was wondering. I meant to follow up on it and I just never thought of it. So uh, it was a good post from the New York Times. All right. Well, uh, at least at this point, it sounds like we're, we're on board with who say. Yes. I keep wanting to say Saley because I've just seen those links so many times. It's in, I think it's in the uh, rad category. I and a, I don't think it's a fad. I mean, privacy and protecting your rights. I mean, that's just going to become more important. Exactly. And and I think that they're they're setting a good example. It's like the people who... I guess are the most vulnerable to images being used for nefarious purposes are probably the most well known. You know, the Tom mm -hmm. Hanks or the Kardashians or you know whoever's in the news and people uh, want to see images of. And it's important for people to uh, retain control over uh, their image and their likeness and how people are exactly. using them. And and it makes a lot of sense that this would be a tool um, that would be built internally. Uh, at a big company like CAA to to make sure that they, they know what's going on online because they're all still trying to figure this whole thing out along with the rest of us. Amber, we've right. come to the end of our social hour, which I believe went a little over an hour. Um, we'll have to do a little bit of editing uh, in, in post afterwards. But for the most part, I enjoyed it as always. And I already look forward to next Monday. All right. Can't wait, Sarah. It's been fun and uh, lots more links next week. Absolutely. You can always go to twit.tv slash TSH for show archives. This is episode seven, but we've got six others. You can catch up on our very first show and all the shows in between. And of course, all of our show notes go up. Sometimes not on the very first day, but within uh, the first few days of the show going live at twit.tv slash TSH. That's where you can subscribe to our show as well. iTunes, a variety of other ways. And never miss another episode. I'm Sarah Lane. And I'm Amber McCarthy, <laughs> and we'll see you next week. All right. Bye-bye, everybody.